Okay, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Strong Dads podcast. Delighted to say we are uh, joined today by a, a guest, which has uh, been a bit of a long time on getting on. I've been pestering him for a long time to to get on, but he's a busy man, so pleased to get him uh, nailed down today. So, uh, big welcome to Sas Harati. Those of you in the sort of fitness and bodybuilding world will probably know him as sort of one of the top bodybuilding coaches around, IFBB Pro, and probably most importantly, in his eyes and our eyes, I suppose, is he's a dad. So welcome, mate. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. Uh, thank you both for having me on, uh, and I'm uh, excited to have a good long chat about dad and athlete and coaching and training and everything that comes underneath. Wonderful. So Rimmer's not here. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the skinny guy, so we decided not to bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little bit intimidated, I think. So he thought, yeah, to me, you know, I'm all, he's left it to be too big. I'm all show, no bark. <laughs> nice. So, obviously, I think I said IFBB Pro, um, and he said that was just beforehand, that was a sort of former life per se. So just explain a little bit more what that is and what it entailed and everything. So basically the, um, the IFBB is a, is a federation much like, I guess, the Champions League and, uh, you know, the premiership, that kind of thing. Um, IFBB is the top federation in bodybuilding. Uh, in, in the world. In the world, yeah. It's the top. It's kind of, well, as far as untested bodybuilding goes, it's pretty much there is no higher than the IFBB. So if you've had a dream as a, as a young lad growing up wanting to be a bodybuilder or a pro bodybuilder, it would be to compete in the IFBB. So, you know, Arnold and... I guess Ronnie Coleman and some of the like Franco Colombo, there was they were kind of the earlier IFBB Pro years. So the IFBB Pro card was um, has always really been hard to get in the UK. There was always one given out a year to the, the top amateur bodybuilder that won Mr. Britain. Uh, up to a few years ago, it was like that anyway. I think uh, I won mine in 2015. And I think I was like the 18th or 19th British bodybuilder to go pro from the UK. So there hasn't there hasn't been that many. Um, there's pro cards more available nowadays. I think it's branched out into more of a business, more categories and stuff. But anyway, long story short, back then um, we all kind of competed for this one overall British title. So you had to win your regional to get qualified for the finals then you had to win your weight class in the finals and then you had to win the overall against all the other winners it was really hard to get so that's probably my biggest accomplishment as far as competition goes it took me uh, I was 27 when I did my first show uh, I, I won my pro card at 31 so it was kind of a quick shift and I competed as a pro for four years in the US doing one to two shows a year um, and then I kind of stepped back in 2018 uh, not because I'd peaked, just because I wanted to focus on, obviously, family life and business. And um, and even though I was getting paid full time to be a pro, it it was a lot of stress and time. And uh, obviously that you're putting your body under a lot of kind of health wise, the issues on that side of things. So I wanted to take a break, start a family, um, see if I had any other business opportunities I, I could focus on for a while. And that's brought me into coaching. Um, I guess on stage, I, I presented a look that a lot of guys appealed to, which was an overly big, um, small waist, you know, the good kind of the classic shape as well as the size that a lot of lads want. So that allowed me to, to go into that market and, and grab it kind of head on without doing a lot of advertising. So I've just been busy with that, to be honest. I've, getting comfortable having a baby and uh, and um, the competing thing I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm in the years where I can still peak a little bit better so it the itch is there to go back to the stage I'm sure we've had that chat before in the gym but 
there's also a lot more comes with it. It's very tunnel vision. It's very selfish. So um, that's kind of like where I am right now. I'm semi-retired, not 100% decided, but very happy with where I am right now. Nice. Yes, pretty much like me, nearly with rugby now, I think. Sort yeah, yeah I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> no, but so obviously, just like on the bodybuilding side of it, now, if anybody sort of reads into it, there's a hell of a lot of dedication that's involved. And, you know, a lot of clients we work with, we work with for uh, six months, 12 months, couple of years, et cetera. And always trying to sort of work for something and which, but we're trying to fit in sort of fitness as a lifestyle around their family and work and, and everything like that. And, and, but with bodybuilding, I guess there's a, there's a, different dedication like with any sort of top sport there's there's a level of dedication you've got to put in if you're saying this sort of IFBB pro is Champions League and Premiership mm. you've got to go all in and yeah. you were in that for you say four years four years as a pro yeah um I guess the three what, what does that look like what what does four years of constant training and eating look like in well, terms of like just just having a life as well outside of it because we but we all know what it's like to commit yeah. to something yeah like training and, and nutrition but to do that for four years at the very sort of top of the top of the game so to speak what what's that look like and how how did it fit in with your life and the people around you well if you had asked me this question at the time when I was in the middle of it all, I would have probably said, oh, it's all right. I've got a balance. You know, I, I see a couple of friends once a month or, I, you know, it's at the time I was in such a tunnel visioned bubble that I didn't realize until I came out of it. So now looking back, it completely consumes like everything you do, everything you do year round, whether you're, whether you're getting ready for a show or whether it's off season, off-season in most pro sports means, you know, downtime. And whereas in, in bodybuilding, off-season is where you're improving your physique, you're adding muscle where you need to, or you're refining something, or you, you're kind of pulling back so you make your body sensitive. So when you do push, it's, it, there's always a stage where it's consistently eating, training, sleeping, um, recovery. So you, I couldn't really do anything without planning my meals or... Um, yeah, yeah, you get some time off where, the, you know, on a Saturday night I might go for a meal with Leanne, or, but it's it's only, you know, an hour or two here and there, you know, Christmas, I, I missed a lot of Christmas meals, I missed a lot of, like, I missed a lot of friends' weddings during those years because I was either travelling for sponsors, you know, sponsorship is the other thing that, you know, the training and eating is kind of the easy fun part, um, but to make the money that you need, to be a pro it's 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 working for sponsors so then you've got videos you have to film training videos um interviews q a's uh, you have to write posts blogs um then you've got to travel the country and promote their brand of supplements or clothing so all this all this came along with it and the center the center is obviously the training and eating and your mind is always on your next meal or when you can take a nap or how your training session is going to go, how it went, how you felt, you know, rehab, you've got, you've got, I used to get deep tissue massage every week, um, chiropractor work every other week. You know, it's kind of like, it is, it's 24 seven, even though it's not sport, which is, which kind of makes it a bit of a weird journey, I guess, or a career. You're not going against someone at the finish line. It's all you. So it's sometimes it's hard to keep it going, but, um, yeah, it, it did. It consumed my life, and that's why it's it's holding me back from going back because it's very. I would be selfish to. It, it would have to be for myself because money wise, I'm probably, I'm, I'm I'm in a better situation than I was when I was when I was a pro. And to give you an example, my last show, I came second in LA out of twenty six pros, and the guy who beat me was ranked seventh in the on the planet that year so I was I was really close to the top and I still wasn't really making that much money so the risk 
and the workload that you're putting in versus the reward just wasn't wasn't weighing out for me so that was one of the main reasons I pulled out you know you put you're pouring your heart and soul out into it and if you don't look quite right on the day or the judge one one judge thinks the other guy looks better it's kind of like oh all that work and there's not a huge reward at the end of it people see all the pictures and stuff and the trophies and the sponsor deals and the magazine covers and stuff and it, it's not really as, as glamorous as it seems so um but yeah it, it did it, it took most of my life for a good decade to get to where I got to uh, now looking back it was it wasn't balanced at all my girlfriend had to do pretty much everything as much as she could for me and uh Traveling to shows in the US, I was in such a tired, drained, zombie kind of mode. Leanne had to pretty much do everything, like meals, carry the suitcases, make sure I didn't get on the wrong plane. You know, it was it, it was quite a hard journey behind closed doors. So um, yeah, not many people, not not many people will ever see that part of bodybuilding because bodybuilders don't show it. But yeah, it's quite tough. I was gonna touch on um Obviously, you've built a world-class physique. When did you kind of, when did you first pick up a dumbbell or go to a gym? When did that start for you? Uh, I guess like most most of us, it was in my early teens. I remember actually, um, I was thirteen, and you know, you watch Arnie movies and Stallone, you know, just like everyone else. Yeah. I, I, I was uh, I was quite shy in school, and I was never really good at. I was good at sports, but I was never, I never excelled at anything. So I thought I want to, I want to build my physique with some weight. So I went with my mum to Argos. We bought a set of uh, York dumbbell, dumbbell and bench set, you know, with the swivel, swivel metal bit on the end. And so this, this set came with a, with a post. I didn't know anything. I just knew that, you know, babies grew when they drank milk. So regardless of what Arnold said, I started drinking loads of milk and eating yogurt. And this, uh, this York set came with a, a poster uh, of this little little hench bodybuilder. And it was a picture of every exercise going through every muscle group from head to toe. So what I did was I copied the poster day and night, morning and night, before school, after school. Um, and I, I just started kind of growing and, and I didn't really get into a gym until I was 16, which by that point I got into college the college gym and all the guys were looking at me and thinking this guy's pretty you know he's well built and I think that's when I knew I had genetics to grow even though when I started at 13 I was I was small chubby uh, I didn't have much muscle I wasn't fast I wasn't strong um but the training and the food allowed and my genetics together allowed me to grow and then uh, once I joined uni I started playing rugby and then that kind of the, the but the weight trainer always underpinned everything I did throughout college and uni. And then when I left uni, that's when I got into a bodybuilding kind of split. That's when I really started to grow. I started doing, you know, the bro split, one body part a day, you know, five days a week, um, eating every three hours. Uh, and I just kept growing and I, and I grew, uh, but I was very balanced. I don't know if that's because of the York dumbbell set picture making me do quads and hamstrings as well when I was 13 uh, on the little on the little bench um I didn't really I didn't really know I didn't really know what I had talent wise in in pro bodybuilding your talent is your genetics so it's your your muscle your, your your muscle insertions your detail your proportions your you know your joints I've got small joints but full muscle bellies so it's an illusion in a way I didn't know I had that talent until my early 20s, um, until guys in the gym started telling me to compete and kind of laughed and I thought, I'm not really, I'm not into getting on stage half naked and oiled up and stuff. It's not my thing. But then the more I grew, the more I thought, maybe, maybe I can do something. And it was when I was in America, when I was 25, a couple of guys came up to me in the gym uh, on holiday and they, they thought I was a pro bodybuilder. So I thought maybe I should just try and get on stage and, it just all it just all came naturally from then because I'd already had the physique from just training in my room and the and the, the college gym and stuff. I bet a lot of people listening, I know me included, I'm kind of we're kind of laughing as you're going because we've all had that similar yeah. thing. Like, yeah, I use my brother's York dumbbell set, and yeah, that's where it all come from. Like, 
I think I said on the podcast before I want to play rugby if it didn't involve weights. So yeah, that's the, I think everyone I've spoke to has a similar start. I just happen to have the genetics to to grow as a as that kind of physique. Um, I always wanted to play rugby. I was just I was just rubbish at it. So I looked the part. I think they put me on the pitch for like five minutes at a game just to just because I filled the rugby shorts out with my legs. <laughs> so uh, they, caught, they caught some damage out from the pitch. I did. I, I did. If, if, if I caught the ball and ran a little bit or I stood in someone's way, I was all right. <laughs> um, I just wasn't good at any of the drills. I just always kept getting lost. But I started late. Uh, so, yeah, my, my talent was, was my physique. It was just the way it looked. It was always wide and thick and round. Even when I wasn't strong, it, it looked the part. So that's what led me to the stage, I guess. Even though you say talent now, I know you, I think you've been very humble. Like from what you told us, it's nobody builds a physique like you've done without like so much dedication. Like, what was the driving force behind it all? Like, I know you've kind of got like you say, well, I've realized I've got some talent, but what was the real kind of? It's a tough question, this because I couldn't answer this. No, 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 it's a good question. Uh, what's the driving force behind it all? Um. Well, number one, I guess, like most other lads, I was. I was so shy in school, you know, I was, I was worried about getting picked on. Um, I was never the guy who got the girl or I was never the first pick for the football team or, um, and I actually, before bodybuilding, before weights, um, I started playing basketball and I was really good at basketball, um, but I was really good when it was just me with the ball. So, when it was like the team effort, I was rubbish. I know that sounds really bad. So in the in the team in the game, I was good when it was just me and one on one with someone. But when it came to looking for other players or the, the team effort to win, I was really bad. So I was in in the garden or in you know down at the park. I was really good when I was shooting, getting a lot of shots in. I was I was skillful, but as a team, it just I kind of got lost. It was the same with rugby, and same with football. So what I realized was I was good when it was just me in the gym. So that kind of gave me a different kind of passion. It was, it was just, it was, it was my thing. Like no one told me what to do. It was, it was how I wanted to train, how I wanted to eat. And when I saw my body changing more than the other lads, uh, you know, no one could tell, no one could come up to me and say, you didn't pass the ball to that guy. That guy was open. You know, we, we lost the game because of you. It was all, it was all on me, how I looked, you know, it was how I ate, how I trained. And that really intrigued me. So I went up, went away and, I, and I, I found magazines and websites and anything I could grab information from watching, watching pros train. And it really just that hour to two hours a day was me. And it, it felt like it was my playground and I was, I was the king of it, you know, I was the popular kid. And as I, as I was building my physique, I started getting noticed. You know, other, other, team, other team players were noticing me, girls were noticing me. I know that sounds bad, but, you know, when you're at that age, that was, that's kind of a, a motivating that's factor. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, when, when, you went, when you went out with the lads, people noticed you more. And I became someone, I, I, I felt like I was someone important. So... That, that gave me the driving force to keep going. And the more I grew and I realized, I, you know, I'm good, I'm really good at this. And in the gym, when people spoke to me, I felt like I was the, the leader. But, you know, outside of the gym, I was just, I just blended in. Well, no, I didn't blend in, but I was a quiet, shy guy. In the gym, people asked me for advice. They watched me train. They liked it. They liked how I looked. And I guess it, it made me feel important. So it made me feel like I was I was excelling at something, and that kind of it's, it, that that gives you an addictive feeling in itself. Uh, when you know you're that good at something and you keep improving, and it just keeps coming, even though even though it was hard work. Like uh, I was I was waking up Sunday mornings at six a.m. going to the gym with my mate to do legs, just so we didn't go out on Saturday night and get drunk. And you know I, I missed out. Even though I had my party years in my uh, in my mid twenties. Chris probably knows, you know, I did enjoy myself, but 85, 90% of the time I was, I was making sure I make sure I was eating all my meals, sleeping enough, uh, didn't miss a training session, make sure I, I took a rest day when I needed to. So it was the consistency of it 
over the years that started to really build my physique. And I didn't stop when other people would take, you know, a month off or they'd, they'd go out partying for a few weeks in a row or they'd go on holiday, they'd go here or they'd pick a different sport for a while. I was always in the gym or eat, eating my chicken and rice or steak and potatoes and it never stopped with me. So I just kept progressing and progressing so, till I got to this kind of level, I guess. Um, so it's like a robot. I've been like a robot for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose on that point, it's, it's probably a good time to then talk about the transition. So you've gone, you know, you've dedicated yourself, you've got to the top of the game and and put so much effort and time and, and built this like persona, like say you were you were someone, you know, you were well known and everything like that. Then, you know, you've transitioned to being a dad and stepping away, let's say from, from the stage at least, obviously you're still involved with the coaching, but stepping away from that world, what was that like? It was a uh, really, really hard. So at the time, when I to towards the end of say my last show, um, the thought of stepping away from the stage wasn't scary at all because I was becoming a little bit bitter towards the subjectiveness of the the, the judging, um, some of the some of the money games, the sponsor games that was going on behind the scenes. It started to kind of wear me down. I mean, it, it happens. The politics it happens in every pro sport. That well, was kind must of admit I, that. I was going to say that's that's the one thing that's always baffled me about bodybuilding, like the 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 effort and the time yeah. people put in. It's subjective. Like people watch it, like football or rugby, where you score a try or a goal, and there's like definitive yeah. scores per se. It's 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 based on someone's opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it, it just I just find that so bizarre. It's frustrating. It's because you literally can have a different opinion to someone else. But then they say there's criteria, you know, symmetry, muscularity, condition. But sometimes there's no consistency in the judging um, from show to show, which there should be. Uh, like you said, there's no end. There's the, you know, like strongman, it's who lifts the heavier weight more times or who, who runs faster or who scores the track. With bodybuilding, it's... It's someone's opinion on how you're looking on the day, you know, and, and it can change. It can change from show to show. So it was, that's the hardest part of bodybuilding for me. Um, it's, it's, it's not really a sport, I guess, in that sense. Uh, but yeah, it was wearing me down. Like I'm sure it does with a lot of pros. And I didn't really want to be the pro that just goes from show to show to make money. And because again, you're putting a lot of stress on your body and, um, I didn't want to be in my 50s with worn out knees and shoulders and my elbows always hurting and, you know, on painkillers. And I didn't want it to be just for coming second all the time. So the thought of moving away from it all didn't scare me. Um, but when I did, at first I was okay. But then it kind of got to the point where um, we were trying for a baby. Um, and people start, stopped asking me the question, you know, when, when's your next? People still ask me to this day when you're competing again, but it kind of quietened down. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like maybe two, three months after I stepped away, kind of hit me and I, and I was uh, I was a bit lost as to, you know, I was always Sass the, the bodybuilder. So Sass the pro, you know, he's going, he's going to do this show or he's in, he's in, a, he's in his off season, he's growing. People emailing me, messaging me all the time, you know, asking me questions. But it all went quiet for a while. And then I was kind of like, I guess I lost my identity for a little bit. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, the coaching was always a side thing to start with. So that came to the forefront, but it didn't feel like it was my job. It just felt like I'd, I'd stepped away from my job and I was filling the time with something else. So the mental battle of stepping out of the spotlight, so to speak, in the little, you know, the, the world that is bodybuilding, um, that was, I think that was harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think most pro athletes, if they were to, if they were to step away at their peak, 
it's quite hard to let go because you think, well, what if I did another show? Or what if I go back to it now? I'm, I'm still in my prime years. I think that's what eats away at most guys. Um, so it took me a while to make peace with that. So it transitioned from focus on, on my last loss to my best win, which was the Mr. Britain. So now I look back and I think I've still done something that not many people have done. And so my, my, my mentality is starting to change and uh, that's making me more at peace with, with what I'm doing now. Um, and obviously when Noah was born, it just completely changed my mindset. Like it just went from confused to what I'm doing to right, I'm a dad. I need to provide, I need to enjoy life. I need to be healthy when I'm for the next 30 years. So that was the that was kind of the turning point where it went from being almost depressed because I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm not a pro anymore, or I'm not doing the pro thing to 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 me being a dad. That was quite a nice switch. So it made it really easy for me now. Um, so I can kind of enjoy both now. I'm training, I've got I've got guys competing on stage. I'm, I'm at home all the time. Um, you know, luckily I can work from home and I'm with Noah. So um it's kind of been the best spot I've been in, um, even when I was at the top peak of my bodybuilding career. Right now, I'm at my happiest, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I was, I, I was, sorry, I was going to say, like, where in terms of that, you obviously just said, because I was going to say, where are you now in terms of happiness? Like, yeah, this fast sat here now, or 2018, sort of top of the game bodybuilding yeah. sass. It's definitely, so. definitely now. Um, the addictiveness of that, the whole pro thing would probably, if you asked me back then, I'd say, oh no, I can't stop competing. This is who I am. But now that I've stepped away, I did go through a dip, like I said. Um, I went through a bit of a dark year, so like eight, roughly a year. Uh, but now that I'm where I am, I'd say I'm happiest now because I'm kind of, I've still got a great physique um enough to promote my own knowledge and experience i've got i'm building relationships throughout the industry i'm still i mean i'm starting to get back out there uh, hoping to do more podcasts get my message across you know from someone who's been there done that to the lads who are kind of coming up um and i'm not exposed to the politics at the moment which i'm not scared to say and and that that makes me happy because i'm not bitter towards anyone anymore you know it's um it, nothing nothing's pissing me off at the moment <laughs> so uh, so yeah it's I'm, a nice way to be that isn't it yeah definitely no. so you're probably one of the calmest men i've ever spoke to me spoken yeah what's um yeah that that's what sorry. i've always known about it to be like even though like you you you've like sacrifice a lot of your time and life into bodybuilding. Yeah. You are like quite naturally chilled with it anyway. Yeah, I think I think um like everyone's quite so calm, that. quite calm person. Yeah. It, it's funny because um when I was at one of my well my coach, my bodybuilding coach who I had, had for years, uh, Chris Aceto was probably the best on paper as well, the best bodybuilding coach so far. He's been, he's been going for 30 years. I remember one day I asked him, um, him and one of his top athletes who ended up winning the Mr. Olympia, um, we were all together. They were doing seminars in the UK. And I remember I said, what do you think, what does it take to be a consistently great pro? And Chris actually said, he said, you have to be as chilled as a, as a freezer. And at, at that time, I didn't really know what he meant. But um, he said, like, there's a lot of things that will eat away at you. So you have to have a thick skin and you have to kind of just, like you said, just be chilled. So naturally, because I was chilled, I think that let me compete at a high level without let, letting it scare me too much. Whereas I see a lot of guys kind of crumbling from weeks out going into a competition. They're looking at all the other guys and, you know, that they're, they're comparing themselves, which I never really did because I was just, I was just happy training and eating and look and looking good. So I think that that does that's a big that's a big uh, factor of being. being said, a I was going to say with with the bodybuilding and to be fair, I think life in general, like it's obviously a big thing. Like the influence 
pictures have, especially on social media, you know, trying to compare yourself to the people and everything like that. Imagine, obviously, in the, in the world of bodybuilding, it's even more subjective and, and more intense. Yes. You know, you're looking at who who's in your class yeah. at the show, like, like what are they looking like, what are they training like, and it's it's probably amplified tenfold instead of let's say us sort of general population flicking on Instagram and going, oh, he looks alright. Why don't I look like him or her or yeah, whatever it may be? It spills over everywhere. It's like if 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 you're in that six weeks out from a show and your body is kind of tuned into being like a machine almost, even something like stress can affect how you might look in a way, you know, it'll affect your training, it'll affect your train of thought. So you have to almost block everything out. If someone cuts you up on the road and, or, you know, starts shouting at you in the car and most people get stressed and they get wound up and that, that can affect, that can, it sounds crazy, but that can affect how your, your physique changes over the next few days when you're that finely tuned. So you have to really switch off to like everything that goes on, uh, which is another kind of skill in itself, I think. <laughs> it's a good uh, skill to have, definitely in the world we live yeah. today. Oh, definitely. I was going to say this, um, I think I said it on the podcast before that my, one of my first kind of experiences going in the gym was you might see a guy like yourself yeah like oh that's intimidating oh there's all these big guys but usually the guy with a well-rounded really good physique is probably the nicest guy in the gym definitely definitely and i can tell just from speaking to you it's like i i remember going to a gym for the first time yeah. and it was a guy i can still picture the guy now i don't know what he's doing now but wish him all the best that he was the first person to come over to me and go why don't you try this or try this and it's always the, the you know the skinny guy in the gym who lifts like a bit of a dickhead who yeah exactly yeah. yeah you can tell that the show-offs <laughs> and the loud guys are usually uh they, they usually look rubbish as well when they take the clothes off <laughs> <laughs> so what has um bodybuilding taught you that you can transfer to just everyday life and being a dad uh, patience and routine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I, when I, when we had Noah, um, the routine is like it's relentless, isn't it? Like it, you know, they're eating every two three hours. They're up through the night. So being so disciplined as a bodybuilder to the point where you know everything I did was like clockwork. That easily transferred onto having a newborn for me. So mentally, it didn't really wear me down having to do night shifts and, you know, all that kind of thing. So it, it lets me, it also reduces a lot of stress. Um, and it's a, it's a way to kind of release stress and energy. So if I've got, if I know I'm eating a certain way and I've got an hour, 40 minutes in the gym, that's all I need to know myself to be relaxed and and just focused on what I need to do the rest of the day so it it, it spills over so if I if I know I've got fam the family day tomorrow um, because I know I've done well in the gym and I've eaten well for a few days it, it kind of makes me feel good and when I'm out with the family I, I enjoy it more uh, whereas if I was to let go a little bit and fall out of a routine and you know I miss a meal and then I get I get a takeaway. I'm not saying I don't get takeaways. I do, but you, you can almost make yourself feel rubbish. And then that affects how you are with your family as well. So, uh, you know, you need to be, you need to be relaxed and chilled with your baby because, you know, it, it takes patience. Um, and so I think bodybuilding above all has taught me how to just be relaxed and stress-free regardless of what you're doing in the day, because I know that I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I like and what I'm passionate about is still, it's still there in the background. So uh, mentally it kind of gives you a really, it really nice focused mind or kind of, you know, true thought, thought process, I guess. Yeah. Quality. Nice. So what's, what's like sort of a, the next stages for you then obviously you, you've transitioned from i say bodybuilder to coach to dad is it just the sort of case now is building on the building on what you've got and sort of growing the the coaching side of stuff well my um so if let's say i don't go back to competing 
which I which I most likely won't. Um, but I have the option to if I do. My goals aside were, will be as a coach to just try and give everyone 100% like I am doing. So that's not going to change. Um, I do want to branch out and do seminars and kind of workshops, get, get, get around the country a little bit more or, um, you know, get out and about to shows and expos and start meeting people and have more face time um, if I can. Um, so seminars would be something I'd love to do just to speak about, speak to people who want to go down the path I've been down. Maybe mm. talk about the the stuff that some people aren't willing to talk about, you know, the health side and the supplements and, you know, the, the PEDs and that kind of thing. Because I think there's a lot of bad information um, and there's a lot of information missing that people don't see. And so mm. I'd like to kind of give give people an opportunity to speak to me and ask me questions, um, you know, anything they want. And then, you know, obviously the training and the eating and just kind of share my experience because there's a, there's a, there's a bad way of doing bodybuilding, which, which overpowers the good way of doing it right now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to get a message yeah. out there, which is what I'd love to do in the next, in the next five years. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I think love that. I think it'd be good if you could do that in gyms, not yeah. specifically for bodybuilders. I know, like, I'm sure all three of us see the sort of typical young lad who's yeah. clearly got some uh, dodgy gear off Uncle Bob, yeah, and he's just <laughs> going about it the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, there's no sort of thought process about what you're doing, or maybe talking about the consequences of taking the you know the peds and, and stuff like that and just educating people because you know i don't think you're ever gonna stop it in the gyms with young lad and, and women now a lot of women take it yeah but i think if there's if there's at least some someone out there that's offering sound advice you know, that's got the history with it, that's got the, the reputation to be able to get hold of these people and just say, do you really want to be doing this for a start? Yeah. And then making sure it's it's safer, shall we say? That's that's the right word. Yeah, you're right, because you can't um, stop people from doing it, but you can give them an, an, an opinion they might think about when they are doing it. Um, you know, you're right. Everyone, everyone does it. You know, office workers all the way from office workers to, to athletes, to pro athletes, to just Sunday morning athletes, to bodybuilders, pro bodybuilders. Everyone's kind of doing it in one way or another. So a lot of them. So it'd be good to kind of reach out to those guys. And obviously the people who aren't going down that route when it's just plain and simple training and eating. Um, yeah, it'd just, be, it'd just be good to get out and speak to people about it. I think that's one of my main goals for the next few years. And, uh, and be, be a bit more active on social media. I'm still a bit of a caveman, <laughs> which was my downfall as a pro as well. I just never put out enough content. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I, I think I'd like to, I guess, be in this shape as well for another five years and then, and then show the kind of, like I gradually show coming away from a pro physique. That's the other goal. So yeah. Um, you don't have to go from being 260 pounds ripped to fat and sloppy. You can, you can slowly bring it down. Um, mm -hmm. you know, with the right advice, I get, you know, I, I, I get to get your blood work done and make sure that your health is okay, you know, because you've pushed your body through so much for so long. So I want to show that bodybuilders can also come away from it and have a normal life as well afterwards. Um, and kind of let go of that addiction, which it, it which it kind of is, I guess. Um, it's not really, I guess, it's not probably not going out to too many dads right now, but I'm sure there will be uh, more more people. No, but, I, that, but I think pretty much everything you've said relatable, whether it's bodybuilding or not, because what what you find a lot of people we tend to work with, it, it, you do have that all or nothing mentality where they'll be on it. And they'll be on it for a few weeks and then they might get in good shape you know six 12 weeks 
And then it's like, right, I've stopped now. I'll just start smashing the beers and pizza again. And we just go back to square one. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, I'll do it again. And they do it and they just get into this cycle of being in great shape, being okay in shape, being out of shape. And then they, you know, go through it. So yeah. looking at that sort of level of consistency and saying, you don't have to be, have three different, you know, physiques in the year. You can just have one that you're happy with that's consistent and, and everything like that. And I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying is not just specific for bodybuilding. I think it, it's for everyone. And I think, you know, I, I don't, I can honestly say I don't know too many bodybuilders, but I, I, I like to think you're sort of quite unique in your sort of approach to stuff and your outlook on life in general with the bodybuilding and the coaching and the sort of lifestyle. And now obviously your dad, you know, you have that sort of rounded outlook on stuff that, that's yeah. relatable to everyone. Yeah. I think I just didn't want when uh, right now I, st- I just, I'm constantly hounded by people saying, you know, get back on stage. You've got the genetics and this. And I think um, what kind of lets me ignore all that is because I never let bodybuilding define who I was. It was something I loved to do. Um, luckily I got to make a career out of it but it also showed me that you can also build a really bad relationship with food and training and you know who you see in the mirror which I think is a really big issue for a lot of people like you said they, they they'll yo-yo they'll see something want for, for a few weeks and then they'll completely change the mindset and, and it can get really unhealthy um mm. Uh, even for regular guys who are just training to to look good it's 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 hard it's hard to just be happy with slowly progressing because you know over over 20 Mm. over 10 years of consistently eating and training like a bodybuilder i put on uh, 25 pounds of muscle that's not really you know that sounds like a lot but it's only what four pounds three four five pounds a year i was putting on um mm. some guys want to put on two stone in a couple of months and it's like when you scale it right back you know a pound of chicken breast it weighs a lot it's a lot of meat you know so uh, they expect a lot in a short space of time and that's i think that's when it gets a bit unhealthy as well mentally you know, mentally also I'm so happy you said that um because we brought it up on the podcast yeah. the question of um I want to be big, but I don't want to be too big. Yeah. It's one of the things I always laugh at, and I think you just put it in for a guy who's gone over his dedication, what you've done to it, thinking, what was it for? Sorry, 20-odd pounds in... Yeah, 25 pounds in 10 years, but that's, you know, that's that's being consistent 100% of the time, pretty yeah. much, nearly. Yeah. How many I times... I, I want to be big, but not too big. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's sad. So how many times in those 10 years did you miss a meal, not get adequate sleep, Message session. I'm sure you could probably count on one hand. Yeah, yeah. That that decade was the perfect decade for me. That really did. Like, I mean, I, I kind of I, I lost touch with a lot of people, so there was side effects. But um, yeah, there was. The, it was very consistent. And to say that you know, I don't. I don't want to be that big. It's very hard to to get that big. You know, you know. And I'm talking about quality muscle, not just putting on. You know. 20 kilo of fat water and muscle it's it's uh, it's a different kind of ball game mm-hmm. so have you had any um like major injuries anything you struggle with over your career anything that you have to work around oh yeah loads <laughs> <laughs> um that's the other side of competing that would scare me now is the because you have to think i know i'm not uh, a powerlifter, I'm not a strong man, but the volume that I needed to, to, to put my muscles under individually in the gym every day, on, on the joint, it's so repetitive. And it wasn't, I wasn't lifting light weights. Like on the bench press, I'd regularly, weekly lift, for example, 160 to 180 top set for reps. Um, you know, leg press would be three, four, 500 kilo for reps weekly on you know on top of the hack squat and you've got your back you know bent over rows you're doing this every week almost year round 
for reps, it's volume. It's like I was I was high volume. I was a high volume guy, so I was doing twenty to thirty sets per session, five days a week. That's a lot of repetition, and then and your ligaments and your tendons. And over the years, I think the biggest issue I've had is my right shoulder. Um, I think I've got early signs of arthritis, along with a damaged rotator cuff that never really healed because I didn't take it to the rehab I should have taken it through. So it's kind of like to the point now where I can't shave my head properly with my right arm. So I have, I have to keep it, you know, tucked in. So in the gym, I'm constantly working around. I'm still able to, to, to fire up the muscle the way I need to, but it's, it's taken a few years to work out the angles I can do. My knees are worn out. My lower back is constantly like in pain. So that there's, there's a, there's the price, the price I'm paying for it is definitely wear and tear on joints. So, that kind of worries me in the next 20 years. So that's that's another reason why I'd like to go through the health side of things as well with people because it's you're doing a lot of damage early. It's the mileage you do in the gym. You know, it's yeah. It's not I'm always excited to see that. Um I think I saw Dorian Yates's kind of transition out of yeah. bodybuilding into how he is today. And I think I'll be excited to see in the next few years how you do that. Me, yeah. Yeah, well, Dorian was, you know, he was, I think he had a pretty big dip when he left bodybuilding. He went, I think he went partying and all that kind of stuff. And I think everyone deals with it differently, but he came right from the top. So I, I, I couldn't really imagine how hard that was. But yeah, I think, mm. I think luckily I've got the bright mindset to step away from it in, in as healthy as I can. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how I look in five years. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of muscle but mate i'm sure you'll be uh you sound intelligent enough to work your way around it so yeah a lot of people love to know about that i do i do enjoy i do enjoy um a few too many beers and pizzas sometimes but uh but yeah i'm, I'm balancing it out quite well at the moment <laughs> so can you uh can you envision sort of noah following his dad's footsteps or <laughs> would you be like against it or what if he were to give me a, if he was to give me a choice, if it was my choice for him, I would say uh, no to the, no because I just I don't like the way the industry is kind of going on the on the competitive side. You know, as a fitness yeah. industry, it's fine. Like, if he chose himself to to get into it, obviously, you know, who am I to say no? But the com the, the politics behind the competitive scene. Is, is really messy you know it's just not worth it's just not worth having a having a passion up for it you know and it just doesn't give a lot back um like when i used to play rugby even though i wasn't even though i wasn't uh, great like the adrenaline i used to get on the pitch just before kickoff or when i was running onto the pitch you don't get that really from bodybuilding so there's not a great deal of return uh, unless you really want you really have the genetics to get to the top and even then, like I've said, it's it's a struggle. Um, so I'd I'd like him to probably go down. Maybe Formula One is a, is a good sport. <laughs> um, football. <laughs> any, any, anything that the the money outweighs the the workload, maybe. But uh, whatever he's a, yeah. he's, he's a chunky boy. He seems quite tall for his age. So who knows? He, I think he de he'll definitely be athletic. But he'll be it'll be good to see how he. He likes he likes to put he likes hoops and he likes picking balls up and putting them in the hoop. So maybe basketball. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. Well, um, we always say on the podcast, nice. don't we, Jones? We always finish with um, a pretty big question. We're not really uh, prepped you for this one, but uh, we'll finish it today with: um, <laughs> What does a strong dad mean to you? Um, in uh, in as few words as possible. Oh, you can take as long as you need or take yeah. time with it. Because we've, we've had similarities, but everyone has a different kind of outlook on it. I think I think a strong dad, yeah. um, not literally, but a strong dad should be someone your son or daughter can kind of put their hand on your back and feel totally safe, I guess, in a, you know, someone who... When he's there, you know, everything's kind of, everything's looked after. So I'd like to, 
like when I was younger growing up I knew because my dad was around everything was absolutely you know everything was going to be okay because you know he was for me yeah you, I think being strong is good because I think physically there's always a presence I'm not saying 260 pound 280 pound big but I'm saying you know an athletic strong <laughs> dad physically brings something into the house um, there's an energy you bring when you when you you know when you know people will say oh you know Noah's dad he's, he's in shape you know he looks great and he's strong he's big that that itself will probably give the kid confidence without him even knowing it or her even knowing it so physically I think a strong dad should mean literally a strong dad <laughs> someone who can handle any situation and um, kind of just make the, make the kid feel confident uh, that's that's a strong dad I guess the bit it's a big question I, I could I could go deep or I could go funny I can't. <laughs> <laughs> hey mate feel free go for it I mean we've had a lot of I mean I think we spoke about it on maybe one of the early episodes and it was a tough one it was it was a tough question but it's it's good to hear everyone's uh, outlook on it yeah that was good um yeah, so I think, I know you're a busy man, so I think we've taken up uh, enough of your time and really appreciate you giving up the time to come on. Like I say, I know oh, yeah. I've been badgering you for a while, so it's really good to get you on. In, I've re- in I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. It's been really easy to talk, and I, I'm, I'm someone who can probably ramble for a while on these kind of subjects, so it's been, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Mate, it's been amazing. Thanks for being so open and honest. I'm sure we could have you on every week and you could tell us something. I'm, I'm happy to come back on anytime you want. Let me know. It'd be amazing, mate. But yeah, I'm That's sure. Awesome. From you. Awesome. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, so final thing is really sort of thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Please uh, subscribe, leave a rating and uh, share the podcast with friends and family and uh, spread the good word. And uh, yeah, that's everything from us. And uh, catch you next week. Bye. And it's-